I feel like the history of the satanic panic is really just game developers and uh, whether it's TTRPG or video games shooting themselves in the foot with cover art. Because if we could just hide the cover <laughs> art from our parents and grandparents, they wouldn't have ever known. They would have had no idea. But, you know, you show the cover and it's got this person like holding a gun with demons behind them. And it's like, well, OK, like that's going to be a harder sell than Animal Crossing. You're listening to the NCMU Podcast, where we are dedicated to raising up and equipping the next generation of nerd culture missionaries and are proud members of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. On this episode of the NCMU Podcast, Bubba talks with Nerd Pastor Nate of Checkpoint Church about collaboration, digital ministry within the United Methodist Church, and how he has found peace in delegation. Join the conversation as we hear about this unique take on ministering to nerds, geeks, and gamers, and how you can better do the same. Hey there, and welcome back to the Nerd Culture Ministry Underground Podcast. My name is Bubba Stalkup. I'm the CEO, president, and founder of Love Thy Nerd. And this podcast is dedicated to raising up and equipping the next generation of nerd culture ministers and missionaries. And today, I'm legit excited to finally have on the podcast friend of mine, Nathan Webb. I've actually never called you Nathan. Ever in the history, it's, it's of- a weird overlap in the community. Everybody knows me as Nerd Pastor Nate, but like everybody in my family calls me Nathan. So it's, really? it's either one. I'll respond. Does anybody either. just call you Nate? Just like yeah, just some of my Nate? college buddies. College buddies. Call okay, me that, but just about just about everybody in my family and people that are close to me all know Nathan. But Nerd Pastor Nate just sounds better. I I mean that's what the title of this episode is going to be is Nerd Pastor Nate Checkpoint Church. There you go. Um, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. But if you guys have any questions or anything like that for us, please let us know um, on this podcast page on lovethynerd.com. There's a comment section there. Or you can hit us up in all the social media places. All that stuff will be in the notes. Or if you're watching on YouTube, it'll be at the top of the video. Well, hey, let's just get right into it, Nate, because we have a lot to talk about, man. Uh, you're not doing a little amount of things. You're doing a lot <laughs> amount of things. Some of those things include, um, I was mentioning that this is, this is not, uh, it is not an exhaustive list, um, but you have Checkpoint Church, which is a website, social media presence, YouTube, and uh, primarily Twitch. You have Pixel and Pulpit. That's a digital community that you help run. Uh, I say help run. I don't think anybody, I think you run it. You're... It's just me. Yeah. yeah. If anybody wants to help, yeah. let me know. <laughs> Come on over. It's <laughs> a cry for help. Yeah. Uh, that digital community. Which is fantastic. I, I, I love getting all those emails for that stuff. Um, you, you were a speaker at the Level Up Conference, uh, at least this past year. I'm assuming they're going to have you back to do more stuff uh, in the future. You help with UMC, that's the United Methodist Church Digital Ministries, helping to equip other people to engage or that are already engaged in digital ministry. And you also have uh, recently launched the Jesus Loves Nerds Bible Studies, which I'd love to talk to you more about that here coming up. And then with Love Thy Nerd, uh, you have done our uh, one of our recent Bible Thumbs, episode 117, Lose Control. And you also wrote an amazing article for us in 2020 called Church is for Nerds. So that's just some of the stuff that you are involved in. And I'm sure like as 2024 progresses, that's when this episode is being recorded and released, that you're going to be doing so much more. So let's just start yeah. at the top of the list. Tell us about Checkpoint Church. Like, what is it? How did you start it? Like, what what is the point? What's your vision? 
Um, and where are you guys going this year? Sure. So I am, as as could be kind of alluded to by that list, I'm a part of the United Methodist Church. I'm an ordained elder uh, in the denomination. And so we are an itinerant system. So essentially you get appointed somewhere by a bishop. And uh, I was a bit of a weird one whenever I came into ministry. I graduated from seminary and I met with our conference and I said I had this vision um, for a church for nerds, geeks, and gamers, and I want to plant it. And I thought, you know, they'll, they'll, this is just a bug in the ear situation. I'll do this in five or 10 years of ministry later. Uh, and instead the, the guy overseeing church development in the conference was a nerd and said, yeah, let's go for it right now. And so we just got started and planted this church and have had a lot of stumbles and a lot of successes and a lot of everything's along the way, but we have been trying to uh, plant this church as a part of my ordained elders orders. So I'm actually appointed to this spot, to this community. Uh, technically I'm appointed to a town in North Carolina, but I, you know, the understanding was like, you're appointed to the internet and good luck with that. Um, but we're, we're trying this thing. And over three years, we've been, we've been continuing to pursue the church plant life. Um, so rather than seeing ourselves as a community or as like an extension ministry, we're trying to build a church online. So in as much as it pertains to like, like church plants and like appointings inside of the UMC, um, I have, I have a little bit of understanding in that area. Um, I, I come from a Baptist faith tradition and so it's, it's a little bit less appointing and a little bit more church planting, but if, is there a situation or a scenario where they would come in and reappoint somebody to checkpoint? If they could find the right person, that definitely stands to like be a possibility. The process, of course, it's like so much red tape, and that's kind of what the Methodists are known for is our our long list of red tape. Um, but if we were to go to the point that we reach a critical mass that we can charter as a church in the conference, at that point is whenever the doors kind of open for like, if, if the bishop sees fit that I need to go somewhere else and somebody else needs to come and oversee checkpoint, then yeah, that's a part of the itinerant system that we kind of took our vows into whenever we became elders in, uh, in the United Methodist church. So it could happen, but I've had plenty of conversations and they're like, who, who, who are we going to put here? Like who's going to do exactly <laughs> what you're doing here? And, uh, my, my better guess is that we'll like raise out of our own kind of the church plant model that is everywhere of like, you find somebody in your congregation and you start to uh, notice a little seed of ministry and work on developing that so that you can kind of raise a sort of successor, I guess is a good word, but maybe. So how long have you been doing Checkpoint? Since 2020. So originally our, our um, vein was actually much more along the lines of Love Thy Nerd and wanting to do like a con-based ministry. And then this was that conversation happened February 2020. And so obviously mm -hmm. uh, March 2020 happened to all of us and we went on from there. And so we quickly pivoted and realized, well, if the nerds aren't at Comic-Con, where are they? And the answer then was Twitch. And so we started to stream on Twitch to meet the nerds where they were and to be where the people are so that we could begin to build our church in the space that made sense. That's fantastic, man. And I know that you've seen a lot of growth and it's been, it's been really interesting to me in our community to see people that have come to find us through you guys, mm -hmm. right? Where I, th I think some people might, might think that it happens the opposite way. It actually does it very, very often. We're trying to fix some of those things within our organization to point more people in the directions of digital churches. But we've had, we've had people like I think of trombone dialogue, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like she, she came in and she was like, yeah, I found you guys through nerd pastor Nate and checkpoint church. 
And I was like, I, that sounds familiar to me. <laughs> so like I found, came, came in contact with you and your organization through her, which is like, I just love the way that those things feed together, this spaghetti bowl of community, but yeah, it all absolutely. happens I think th online. Yeah, that's, that's what is best about this place. Like that's one of the things that mesmerized me about Twitch from day one was the like raid mechanic, the ability to take your community yeah. and send them somewhere else. I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard of. And imagine if the church got hold of that and was like, what if when your service ends, you go down the street and you go to the next church and you just keep that love train going? Like that's so countercultural and so what the church should be that I was, I was humbled by it right away. And so something that we've tried to take into our foundation of building this church is like, yeah, we are trying to build a church. We're trying to build a community, but we're not trying to be insular. Uh, we acknowledge like our limitations and we acknowledge uh, that there are plenty of folks out there that are doing good work that we're not going to do and that they are, they've already had a, a backlog of tons and tons of resources. So why not send them over to love thy nerd? Why not send them over to some other organization so that they can uh, live further uh, rather than differently, but live further into their baptism. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things as people that are listening to this podcast, watching the episodes on YouTube, that kind of stuff, I hope that they get out of that is is that we're trying to be, we use the term internally interdenominational, right? Not to, to elevate one thing over the other, one faith tradition, as I like to say, over the other, but it's like whatever whatever is drawing you in, whatever connects with you at whether it be your entire life or a certain point in your life or, or, you know, where you find yourself physically located, you know, maybe all you have around you are, you know, Southern Baptist churches or Methodist churches or whatever. I, I fully understand that. But to be able to understand that there is an entire online community that shares your beliefs and your views and your mission of how to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ, this gospel that we talk about, um, and that they are, they flow into each other. You might be hanging out in one moment on Twitch with, you know, a checkpoint church of the United Methodist, you know, denomination, and then you move into something that is, you know, completely different, but is still faith-based, loves Jesus, and wants to point you towards Jesus in the most basic ways possible uh, through loving people by playing stupid things like video games, right? Like, um, which we can all agree, uh, some of them are dumber than others. And that's the things that people want to watch on Twitch is us, you know, utterly fail at playing video games. Um, but hey, speaking about some of those areas, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to give you an opportunity. What, what is your deepest area of nerddom? So I'm going to say, I'm going to say there are, there's like one that's gaming and there's one that's like my nerddom niche that I feel like I can't find the community for. And the nerddom niche that I have is definitely, uh, I'm a big old weeb. I love anime. I love watching That's anime. I, I love talking say. about okay. anime. I love deep diving into it, catching the latest seasons. Like I love that. And then my gaming side is I love weird horror RPG maker games. I love the like oh. strong story twists, turns, darkness that like a pastor probably shouldn't be talking about. Like I love that <laughs> stuff and I eat it right up. I did not know that about the, yeah. the, the horror RPG side of things. Oh yeah. That, that kind of, that makes me feel the same way as when I found out that like Deustin loves to play doom, right? Like it, it yeah. just, it warms my heart in the weirdest way. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, well, we I all think have a lot this of people might be of, of gaming that that drew us into the stories that we love, and that's what I really like about it. Is I really find that the horror genre can tell some really bold and creative stories that I'm I'm here for. Oh man, absolutely. Yeah, I, Jacqueline Parrish would agree with you wholeheartedly in that. Um, we had a whole thing about horror that we did with her. That's crazy. I tell people all the time, one of my favorite games is uh, Diablo. And mm-hmm. the way that I convinced my grandmother to let me install it on her computer was telling her that I was killing demons, um, which is not inaccurate. Um, it's just sure. not the full story. <laughs> What's going on yeah, I, in that? I feel like the history of the satanic panic is really just game developers and uh, whether it's TTRPG or video games, shooting themselves in the foot with cover art. Because if we could just hide the cover art from our parents and grandparents, they wouldn't have ever known. They would have had no idea. But, you know, you show the cover and it's got this person like holding a gun with demons behind them. And it's like, well, okay, like that's going to be a harder sell than Animal Crossing. Uh, Yeah, barely. But then you have Pokemon. Right. And so like that found itself squarely locked in the satanic panic. So, man, is anything safe these days? Maybe not. I don't know. Well, hey, going back to you being a weeb, do, do do us a quick favor explain that term. I mean, I know what it means, but like for our listeners who may not understand what that is, explain what that is. And then tell us a little bit about what makes you a fan of, of the anime genre. So I am a fan of the anime genre because of, uh, I went to the food lion, which is a North Carolina grocery store. And I'll never forget the day because it was the day my life changed forever. Uh, I was at the food lion and I went to the magazine rack and I saw uh, Yugi uh, from Yu-Gi-Oh! And I saw him on the cover of a magazine and I was like, what's the deal with this and why is it facing the wrong direction? And it was a magazine <laughs> that came out every month called Shonen Jump. And Shonen Jump was uh, the coolest magazine collection ever because it would be anywhere from seven to nine uh, random chapters of different manga delivered to your doorstep. And I have a collection of like five or six years worth of Shonen Jump that I convinced my parents to get me. And that was where the obsession first started is I I had like these sat AM like anime that I watched. And then I saw Yugi and I made the connection of, oh, there's a world beyond the shows that were produced by Toei back in the day. Like now we have so many more anime that I can do a deep dive into. And so that began the love affair. And then there was Adult Swim. And so I would sneak into the (laughs) living room after hours, of course, after my parents went to bed and I would watch things like Full Metal Alchemist or Death Note or, you know, fill in the blank of something that was probably above my head, but I watched anyway and uh, fell in love with as well. So those two like arenas of interest kind of, um, happened to push me forward into loving the stories that they told, the art form, the medium of anime in general. Um, I just can't get enough of that stuff. And then you throw into the mix that I'm a Nintendo fanboy at heart. Like I only ever had Nintendo consoles growing up. I only got into uh, the other consoles as I got older. And so I had the Japanese style there of Nintendo games very thoroughly enriched in Japanese culture. And so for me, uh, Weeb comes from Weeaboo and has a little bit of a derogatory stent, but we've kind of like reclaimed <laughs> it as a white person that likes Japanese culture. And uh, so I acknowledge <laughs> I that, that so uh, it much. probably has... <laughs> 
It has some weight. It has some baggage and, uh, and you know, may rub some people the wrong way. Some people might be offended if you call him a weeb. For me, I embrace it yeah. wholeheartedly. Uh, acknowledging that I am not somebody that would have ever encountered this culture in any other era, but because I'm here now in the, in the era of anime being brought overseas and um, delivered on things like Cartoon Network, like, I was, I was immersed in it and fell in love with it and want to share more of those stories with people. Man, who would have ever thought that Cartoon Network would be so like radically transformative, yeah, transformative in people's lives? Because when I think about Cartoon Network, the things that come to my mind are cow and chicken, sure. um, you know, like Dexter's Laboratory, like that kind of stuff. Which again, you could say are pretty transformative, but not not in like I, I didn't even realize that anime was on Adult Swim. I had no oh, yeah. idea. I was watching Space Ghost Coast to Coast. That's what I was watching on Adult Swim. Yeah, there were some there were nah. some good ones. I mean, I think that uh, there was also that like hour in between, like Toonami especially. So Toonami had like the Dragon Ball Zs of the world. And so you'd have that and it would You're be like right. slightly yeah. younger skewed. And then you'd go into Adult Swim. And later on, they started to pick up some of the the heavier, darker. They're called Seinen. And so they're like the young, young men anime. And those were the ones that I really fell for. I saw somebody recently, uh, I spent a lot of time on Instagram reels. Um, and mm -hmm. I saw, I saw somebody recently say that, uh, the Sonic movies are Dragon Ball Z for kids, <laughs> right? Like, sure. and it just goes through all of the stuff on, Hey, here's all the parallels one-to-one -one on how it is basically just a retelling, um, mm -hmm. using characters yeah. from, you know, obviously the Sonic games and stuff like that, but the movies completely open up the storytelling and all sorts of stuff. Have, have you, have you seen those movies? Do you, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it, that's feel going that back before the movies, even in the games. I mean, the chaos emeralds are a pretty direct ripoff of the dragon balls because you would collect them. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you turn into like uh, Sonic with all yellow hair and like super Saiyan is all yellow hair. Goes uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so granted when you collect the dragon balls, you'll become super Saiyan, but yeah, the, the parallels <laughs> are definitely there. And we all just, we all take from each other and borrow from each other. And, uh, and we love, love telling stories like that. I, um, one of the things that we love to do on our Twitch stream is read from a book that I wrote whenever I was 10 years old. And it's really embarrassing and cringy, but you know, it's <laughs> impressive because I wrote a trilogy as like a kid. But uh, whenever I go back and read through it, I realize that I just wrote out stories from the anime I was watching. And so like blatant ripoffs of Yu Yu Hakusho, like watching the dark tournament stuff. And we'd have like a tournament in my book and you can tell like which characters are parallels of the characters from the show. So it's all iterative. We're all just learning from each other. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if they, if they, if they care, they can come after you. Send the lawyers, right? That's right. Come after that yeah. 10 year old who has a word document <laughs> filled with their ideas. <laughs> hey, it's, how, how do you take, how do you take your, your weebness, uh, your love for anime, your, your desire to want to play and engage with these JRPGs, um, and even horror genre, like how, how do you take that and, and turn that into a ministry? What does that look like? 
Sure. So that was a question we asked ourselves as well. The first thing that we did was we started playing the games in community. And so we would go on Twitch and, you know, normally on Twitch, you might play like a Fortnite or you play uh, with people. Uh, and some people were doing Let's Plays, but like for the most part, that's not the most popular genre on Twitch. But we were going to kind of unapologetically like put our foot down and play games together as an act of Bible study. And so we started with Undertale, which I think is a game that everybody on planet Earth should play. The Pope owns because of MatPat. So so uh, at, at the very really? least, it's it's in the sphere. Yeah, he took it to took it to the Pope as his gift, and so Undertale was going to be our first one, and we did. We played it. We played through the entire game together. That still exists on YouTube. And the game plan was we would play that for like two hours every Wednesday night, uh, you know, church time, and then on Sundays we'd invite people into a Zoom call to talk about it and to break down some of the thoughts and to bring out some like biblical parallels or things that we might be able to learn about ourselves and our walk with faith. And uh, it may surprise you to hear this, but hundreds of people did not in fact flock to our uh, <laughs> Zoom call. It was uh, me and my friends. And so we quickly backed off and we're like, all right, these Bible studies are not working. Like some people are showing up to stream and that's fun, but nobody wants to come to a Zoom call to talk about it after the fact. And so we realized that we needed to build more relationships first. And so we started building them on Twitch. We realized that that was not enough time to build a relationship. We needed more time with people. And so one of our uh, active chatters at the time was like, you got to get Discord. And I was like, what mm. is Discord? And we started learning about it. And we, we realized pretty quickly that it could become a digital church building. So we built out a digital church building on there. I literally took, I'm a PK, and uh, so my dad is a pastor, <laughs> and I literally took the blueprint of my dad's church and like circled the rooms and wrote the purpose of the room and was like, how can I literally like copy paste this room into a Discord server? And uh, once we did that, we still weren't getting enough of the conversational piece. We were building the relationships, but we didn't know how to get to the Bible study element. And so uh, I was obsessed with video essays at the time on YouTube and I still am. And we began to <laughs> like ask ourselves, how can we create these video essays in a way that um, might be able to bridge the divide between anime and video games and faith in an adequate light? So we started to develop these things called nerdy sermons. And the first way we did them was they were literally going to be a devotional series that we did for Advent. And so I did one like video game or show and one scripture every single weekday of Advent, which is the fastest way ever to burn out, might I say. Absolutely. So, it burn is myself 100%. real hard. <laughs> But we did start with like 20 of these devotionals uh, from our, our first year, which was pretty cool. Um, we took that energy and that vision of those devotionals and we said, what if we expound on these just a little bit and see what we can do? Uh, and that became what is now our nerdy sermons over on YouTube. So every single Sunday, you know, sparing some Sundays here and there, we do something a little bit different. Uh, we put out at 10, 10 a.m. Eastern time on YouTube, a nerdy sermon talking about some kind of trending anime video game nerdy something. And we draw out a scriptural truth and we draw out a, a truth from this show. And then we analyze the two of them and say, isn't this neat that they're very similar? Let's talk about why these are so similar, why we get something out of them and how we can then live that out in our lives. Uh, and we're, we're over a hundred episodes deep of doing that now at this point, just continuing to dive in to some of my favorite things out there and uh, talk about how we can be better as Christians because of them. It, it is, it is a well that will never run dry. Um, I mean, it's, 
any, any normal pastor. And I, I say that, and I mean that, right? Because what we do is abnormal. It is not what, you know, is, is in the, the, the purview of normal church. Any normal pastor will tell you that they even struggle to, to write sermons because what they're drawing off of is real world experience, things that have happened in their lives or in lives of people they know, stories that they've heard. When you were engaged and engrossed in nerd culture and you're reading comic books, you're watching movies, TV shows, playing video games, whatever you're doing. There is just a constant influx of stories and situations and, you know, relational, you know, incongruity and all sorts of stuff that you can draw off of to say, oh, that that actually is really like what was happening here. Um, the way that these people are looking at things and examining things is the same thing that the Bereans were doing when Paul was coming. Like you can really try and easily pull those things and one to one them if you want to. And so I would encourage anybody, we'll have all this in the show notes. If you have not gone and checked out Checkpoint Church, go and follow them on um, all the social media, but make sure you subscribe on YouTube because that stuff that you're doing over there, like Nate, it's fantastic. Like I, I absolutely love it. It's, it's not just solid, but it's well done. And I think that a lot of times in the Christian culture, I, I have a phrase that I use that I didn't coin, but I use it a lot. Um, I call it Christian good, right? Like uh, it, good enough for government work would be another way that maybe like the secular world would say that. I think that you put an extra level of polish on everything you do from the way that you speak and present it to the way that you edit it to, you know, the uh, like not, not just cutting out things, but like adding things in overlays, scriptures, pictures, all sorts of stuff. It's truly engaging for the demographic that you're actually trying to reach. And so, man, I just, again, we're going to put all that stuff in the show notes. You guys go and check it out. It's fantastic. And I should call out as well, um, you know, of course, the the like exegetical process, the process by which we actually like go in and tear apart the scripture and look at the words and understand the origins and do all of that work. That's from seminary training. But one of the first things that I learned, um, and this is actually advice from Philip DeFranco on YouTube, um, but one of the one of the big pieces of advice that he gives to people that want to be creators on YouTube is your very first hire should be an editor. And so our first season of videos I edited and everything since then we hired a, a freelance editor to do everything from that point on. And so that was an important thing that I had to let go of, let, let, let loose the reins so that somebody else could take it. Not only, not because I couldn't do it. I had the skills. I knew how to edit, sure. but it has become 10 times better, if not a hundred times better with somebody else's eyes, somebody else's jokes, somebody else's, uh, you know, just general vibes that they bring mm -hmm. to their editing style. Style. And then the relationship that we forged over uh, three seasons of working together um, is is something that is noticeable. Like you said, it's something that comes across in yeah. the editing of, of being professional, but also engaging because of the fact that there is more than just my eyes, my hands, my brain behind the thing. Oh, man, that that's an entire series of training right there on yeah. letting go, delegating. Um, you know, being, being okay with a different view on your content, uh, and, and then just watching it grow. I was listening to a podcast just the other day, um, uh, Craig Rochelle's leadership podcast. And he was, he was saying, Hey, it's, it's a new year, new you learn to delegate, <laughs> like be okay 
with other people doing stuff. Um, so that's, man, that's fantastic. I, I could camp on that forever. I really could. Uh, but we, we also like to ask, um, all of our, you know, guests here on the podcast. Okay. That's how you turned that into a ministry, but the heartbeat behind that had to start somewhere. Can you remember the moment or the time that you were initially called into ministry? And if so, let's, I want to talk with you just a little bit about that. Sure. So as far as general ministry, whenever I knew that I was called into that, it was actually in fourth grade, which is way too young. And I, I ran from it for a long time because of that. I'm, I'm sure there's an element. I'm the youngest child of three. My dad is a pastor. He's a second career pastor. So I only ever knew him as a pastor, but I also saw uh, him at the beginning of his uh, ministerial calling. And so I think that kind of fervor rubs off on a kid. And yeah. so there was some element of like, I want to make my dad proud. I see what he's doing. And so I also had a, a very rich faith and I went to a particularly moving, uh, camp, Camp Marywood out of Clemens, North Carolina. Uh, and I was there and they did the altar call. They did the thing where you go to the gym yeah. and you just ball your eyes out and you've, you're, you know, you're handed a Bible and they give you this Bible and they're really wanting to put that pressure on you. And it was then and there that I had this super emotive experience and was like, I'm called to ministry. Like, this is it. This is the moment. Then I ran from it for as long as I could. And I knew yep. like I was, I was a, such a creative person. I wanted to do theater. I wanted to do voice acting. I wanted to draw. I wanted to this, that, and the other. And I kind of ran from it as long as I could until I was made a leader in our youth group. And then I was like, okay, I guess I need to at least explore my options. And so I started to talk to my dad about my calling and about my vision and, uh, and whether or not this was a real thing. And he gave me the advice whenever I was going into undergrad of uh, whatever you do, don't major in religion for your undergrad. He said, you're going to get it. Don't worry. Like if you go to seminary, you're going to get it. So do your undergrad yeah. work in anything else. And he uh, had the wisdom to say, you know, I wish I had a media degree. And so he said, I would recommend Ooh. going into communications and learning some media and some electronic sources, whatever, learn how to work with computers. And so I did. I went to uh, undergrad at High Point University in North Carolina. And whenever I went there, I uh, was looking for scholarships and found one that was called the, um, uh, the Digital Fellows the media fellows. And so I joined up with the media fellows. Now, if you had to guess at a random college, a group called the media fellows, were these the <laughs> cool kids in high school or were these the ones that were maybe leaning towards the nerdy side, right? Like these were the hardcore nerds. And so I, I buddied up with this group of, of uh, eight guys. We all lived in one dorm with a common space sharing together. And it was just all of these absolute nerds. And it was the time of my life uh, experiencing that. But I realized that like they were not just not familiar with the church. They weren't welcomed at the church. Like mm -hmm. they had negative experiences. They had been turned away because of one reason or the other, because of something about their nerdiness that wasn't welcome in the space. And it broke my heart. Uh, I had such a rich experience with faith. I had such a good church upbringing. And to know that these people that I was falling in love with, the, their nerddom and their hobbies and their passions and playing games with them, uh, and they weren't welcome in the space that I loved so dearly. And so it was there that whenever I uh, finished up my time in undergrad, I was like, okay, yeah, I really am called to ministry. And now I know 
in what flavor I want that ministry to go. And so my entire experience at seminary, I just considered like, what, what do I need to do? Do I need to do a, a VR church experience, a nerd church, a digital church? What does it need to look like? What does it need to be? Something has to change. We've got to reach the nerds, geeks, and gamers because my heart breaks for them. And so out of that love and compassion for this people group was just birthed this, this strength of a call to ministry beyond just some kind of emotive experience that happened in a cafe gymnatorium in a church camp somewhere. <laughs> this was like a real moment where I not only knew that I was called to ministry, but I knew why God was calling me to this place. And so with that kind of strength um, came out a vision and came out the other side with, with checkpoint. Dude, going to the camp experience, there's, as, as somebody who has spoken at a camp, you know, been, been, been lead speaker, I'm uh, going back to do it again this year. It, there is no better feeling than making an entire camp cry. Um, there is more, no more awkward feeling than doing it on accident. Like the thing that you had led up to didn't hit, but something else that got impressed on their hearts. Um, so I'd be interested to see like, who, who from that camp says, yeah, that, that time when that speaker, that nerd guy came, that was my, that was my time. Mm. Um, I have a really interesting story, uh, that has nothing to do with anything, but just like camp stuff. Right. Um, so again, going as a speaker or missionary or whatever, like that's me impressing on their hearts and, you know, in their minds and stuff like that. I had a kid who was really good at the Rubik's cube. Uh, and I mean, like stupid good. Right. Um, and I thought it was witchcraft. I was pretty sure that you had to be a mathematician to do it. And it was impossible. No matter how many times I watched him do it, I just knew that it, it, it wasn't really happening. It was fake. And so I dedicated basically a large portion of my time after I left that camp to, to one goal. And that was anytime somebody handed me a Rubik's cube, I could solve it. Didn't, I didn't, not going for speed at all. So I, I literally sat down for a week. Like I didn't do any work that week. I just, I was like, I'm, I'm going to learn how to do the Rubik's cube, watch YouTube videos, learn the algorithms, all that stuff. Because I knew I was going to be going back to, to see that, you know, to hopefully possibly see that kid. So I did it. My son even learned and he's like, he's really good. He's got all kinds of different ones. He's got a, you know, a, a four by four. He's got a two by two. He's got a six by nine. He's got the triangle. He's got all that stuff. Okay. Fast forward to, I finally see this kid at camp the next year, this past summer. And I tell him, I'm like, Hey, um, I learned how to do the Rubik's cube because of you. And again, I've got like a year's worth of buildup to have this conversation with this kid. And he looks at me and goes, okay. <laughs> and that's it. Like that was the whole conversation. And I'm like, hey, do you, do, you, uh, do you have a Rubik's Cube with you? And he goes, oh, no, I didn't even think about bringing it. And the year before, he had multiple Rubik's Cubes. He had the ones that didn't even have the colors on them. Some that are like, like you have to get them in a certain pattern so that they're like, you know, raised in different areas. Like he had the weirdest things. And this year he's like, yeah, I just, no, nah, I wasn't even thinking about it. Not a big deal. He had radically transformed my life for that past year. And to him, right. that was just a Tuesday. And so like, I think about that, like, and to spiritualize that for a second, like how many times are we engaging with people in our digital and online ministries 
where it's just another Tuesday for us. But for them, it's like, man, that was, that was the most radical and transformative thing that's happened in my life all year long. Yeah. And so like with that in mind and all the stuff that you've told us about checkpoint, what are you guys doing to, to kind of maybe create some of those moments and radically transform people's hearts and minds in 2024? So one of the, one of the big things that we're working on this year and kind of perpetually over the past couple of years is with the life cycle of any church plant, there comes a time where like the pastor is the one really doing the, the sowing and meeting people and getting to know people and, and, and providing all of the leadership. But then at some point you want to empower the people that are opting into this thing that are becoming leaders in this space. And so one of our major goals for this year is to figure out how can we continue to do that in a digital space to equip people so they might be able to uh, feel like they are empowered to do the work so that it's not just all nerd pastor Nate, uh, you know, facing the camera and doing all the things all of the time. And one of the ways that we want to do that is not just through uh, the leaders, but through the relationships that leaders have. And so our big word for the year has been collaborate. We want to work with other people. We want to work with their favorite uh, streamer that they might be watching as well. Like we want to know how can we build a relationship with this Twitch streamer or with this Discord community? How can we have more like game nights with other communities? Like I always think back to uh, whenever Frost hosted the um, uh, Fall Guys tournament, Fall Guys, yeah. uh, which we won. We won, by the way. I've got the trophy right <laughs> you back guys, there. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> we slaughtered uh, beyond you my understanding. Cheated. It was not my doing. <laughs> they may Big have cheated for cheats. all I know. It was, it was, you know, I don't know. That game still mesmerizes. But <laughs> regardless, uh, we wanted to know, like, what can we do to collaborate more? Because I think that no. uh, we acknowledge, like, the community that we're building, but we also have to acknowledge the mass of the internet. Um, one of the examples that I like to use anytime I go and talk to some of the classic church folks, some of our rural church folks <laughs> in the UMC, uh, I like yeah. to use the example of uh, Twitch, and this is old news, but Twitch has over 140 million users. That's a number I like to give them just because it's easy. And so I say 140 mm -hmm. million users on Twitch, and I say North Carolina has 14 uh, million people. And so I was like, imagine if somebody hands you a bullhorn and says this bullhorn can reach all 14 million North Carolinians at once. Now multiply that by 10. Do you want all of them in your church building? No. Like that sounds like a madhouse. <laughs> you have to acknowledge the powerhouse that is the internet. And there are so many more, um, ministries that are needed. And there's so many more people that are going to be reached if we can, instead of uh, trying to divide off and siphon off our own ministry and put up boundaries and walls, if we can instead work into the connection that is the ecumenical church and uh, reach as many people as possible, like that's, that's the way that I want to do the most good. And so Sure. Checkpoint is creating these nerdy sermons. I'm proud of them. Like you said, they are polished. They're good. And I want to offer yeah. them to people. And so I want that to be something that people like Love Thy Nerd and any other organization out there feels like they can use these nerdy sermons as a means to reach their community. It doesn't matter to me if they come to Checkpoint. It doesn't matter if they watch my nerdy sermon and they say, hey, that Nerd Pastor Nays guy is cool. I'm going to go join his community. I don't need that. I need people to be able to use our resource because I'm using other people's resources too. Uh, I'm tapping <laughs> yeah. in to, to articles and sharing things and uh, using you know, the faith and fandom Hector Mirai books. 
Like I'm doing yeah. that work as well. I love the resources. Why wouldn't we want to share that with other communities? That way you're already forming a community. Use this instead of having to reinvent the wheel every single time. I, dude, I absolutely love that. And I, I think that that's, that, that's why connecting with, with you and, and by extension checkpoint. And I, I do mean that the way that I say that, right? Like mm. with Nate and then by extension checkpoint, um, like, because what we say at love thy nerd is man, I really don't need you to do love thy nerd officially. You talk about red tape. Like I get red tape, man. Right. If you want to do, you want to come up and say, how do I have a love thy nerd game night? at my church or my community. It's like, well, I got a lot to say about that. Like a lot to say about that because there's more wrapped up in that than just having an event. But if we can train and equip you and then launch you out into a space to let you go and do the things that God has called you to do, that's really what we're way more uh, interested in. And we would like to encourage you to pursue. If you want to come and join us and be a part of what it is that we're doing, that's great too. But that's not the be all end all. Like God has more in store for you than our organization. Um, and so, man, I, I resonate with that. The collaborative, when I, when I read that, I think it was, you posted it really early this year. Um, probably the first couple of days of January, I saw that on social media. I was like, hey, yes, sir. Let's do more of that. Let's collaborate across the board. Um, so, well, hey, man, that, that all being said. Oh, you, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that leads into what Jesus Loves Nerds is all about. So this new thing oh, that we're yeah, launching, yeah, yeah. this Bible study curriculum, is uh, for that exact express purpose. So we sat down several years ago and talked about writing Bible study curriculum. And we were going to, because we put out these sermons, why not? Uh, try to host a time where we can watch them and talk about them. And so we put together some small groups and nobody signed up and we talked about a devotional and it's a lot of work to put together a devotional. And so we're like, we need to figure out how can we uh, use these in a, a capacity that might allow for people outside of Checkpoint Church to be able to use the resources we're creating. And so starting uh, this year, we're launching a thing called Jesus Loves Nerds, which is uh, the name of the website as well. It's a Substack, And the purpose behind that is we're creating Bible study curriculum with activities, with questions, with prayers, with everything that you need. Um, if you are like a youth group leader or a pastor of a church, you can hand this off to a volunteer and feel comfortable about it um, and talk about nerdy things. And so like that is our main goal behind it is to reach out to church leaders and be able to equip them so that we can reach more people than ever that may or may not ever be a part of Checkpoint, but can be using the things that we're creating for their ministries that they already have. But like you said, with hosting a game night, my like secret dream would be, I would love for somebody to reach out to me in like a DM or, uh, you know, wherever it may be a couple months down the road and say, look, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a leader in the church but me and my friends get together like every Friday night and we just started getting together to play games and we talk about your nerdy sermons and we go through the curriculum together. Like that would be a yeah. dream to know that there's just like not even a house church, just a group of friends yeah. getting together and talking about this. Like that would be an absolute dream for me. Uh, and that's, that's the purpose behind it is just, we want to make sure that we're creating this stuff. So we want people to use it in whatever capacity they see fit, whether it's a youth group, young adult group, life group, church, or just group of friends. We want to create that content uh, so that 
people can utilize it. And so that people don't go and click on it and think that I'm pulling wool over anybody's eyes. It is a, uh, a Substack, and we are putting a paywall. And the way that we're doing it is we're offering free content every month and then also weekly content. The reason behind that is because we are a real church and we are trying to sustain. And uh, that is important to our ministry is like, how can we sustain? Maybe this is one avenue, but I never want that to be like a brick wall for anyone. And so odds are, if you reach out to me and have a conversation with me, we can talk about it and we can work around that. Yeah. But this is also allowing a capacity for people that are like, I really want to support Checkpoint. How can I? Here you go. This is a way that you can support us. And I tell people all the time, look, it's sorry, not sorry, but ministry costs money. I wish it didn't. I wish uh, we we'd just go back to the barter system and everything was, you know, free as far as pay goes. We just traded services. That'd be a lot easier. Right. But that's not the world we live in. And so you having a way to, you know, keep keep a checkpoint financially stable um, and to create longevity for the calling that God has in your life. Man, I support that. I think that's fantastic. So we'll have all the show notes uh, that have links to all that stuff to the Substack and you're a big fan of Substack. A lot of stuff you do is on Substack. These <laughs> I do days. like Substack. They're so easy to work with <laughs> and it's so easy to just like create new blog and it's so much easier than the old blogger days. So I'm a big fan. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I saw that and I was like, why the heck is he doing that so much? I looked into it cause I'm, I'm a WordPress guy. And so, um, I looked into it and I was like, Oh, okay. No, I fully understand. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Good platform. Hey, if you could go back, this is the last question we like to ask our guests. If you could go back to when you started all of this, okay, specifically the, the nerd culture ministry that you're doing, and you could tell little baby Nate, probably in college, it sounded like little baby Nate, what, what one thing that you would tell him to either keep him away for something, to encourage him towards something, or to, to just open his eyes a little bit more? What's one thing that you would tell him that you know now? that you didn't know then? Yeah, that's such a great question. <laughs> and it's such a like tough question because there is so much that I've learned over the time, but some of it, you know, as things that you just want to learn in the moment. I think if there's one thing that I could steer myself away from, it would be the obsession with numbers online and the obsession with trying to get more views, more subscribers, more fill in the blank. Like I grew up in the YouTube culture. I very much am a part of that um, internet mindset. And what I've learned is that it is so much more about engagement and relationship. And if you're able to build a relationship with one person, uh, that is better than a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand subscribers. Like uh, financial sustainability does not mean that you're necessarily providing the most um, effective ministry. And so being able to acknowledge that and to kind of like knock myself over the head with it and be like, listen, it's not about the numbers. Affect who you affect, do the ministry that you do, and build those relationships. That's essential. Man, that's a great that's a, that's a word right there, dude. Like if, if I can speak spiritually to people, that is an absolute word. I personally, when I stream, which is not very often these days, um, I have turned off the viewer count in OBS. Yeah. So I just don't even see it. Um, cause it, it affected me. <laughs> it really affected me. Um, I even had on our, on our stream, um, we use stream elements and I, I had us take it out of the ticker. Like, I don't want anybody to, to be focused on that, whether they're watching the stream or not watching the stream. Like there are places you can go to see that, but we're here for people, not for, not for the, the number of people. We're here for people individually. 
Yeah. Well, hey, Nate, it's thanks so much for point. hanging out, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and for for taking, you know, uh, some time and, and talking to us about Checkpoint and about the things that you're doing in and through the way God has called you. Um, how can people find you on the Internet? Where do they go? Yeah, so the, 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 we didn't get to Pixel and Pulpit, so I'll mention real quickly what that like, why yeah. that exists. That is our uh, like severing point between Nerd Pastor Nate and Checkpoint Church. So I realized that I was writing too many digital ministry blogs, and I was like, this doesn't <laughs> apply to the people that Checkpoint is for. And so Pixel and Pulpit exists to be a community of people that care about digital ministry and learning about ministry tips and things like that. So that's one place you can find me is pixelandpulpit.com, uh, talking about that kind of stuff, doing a little blog. It's not super active, and that's on purpose because I don't want it to be a stressor. It's just another way to uh, to be in community. Uh, but then, of course, check. Checkpoint is the most vibrant thing that we do. We have our three main platforms that I always point towards people. So uh, Twitch stream, we're, uh, we're streaming on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Fridays right now. And we are active every single day on Discord. I think our Discord is super cool. I'm blown away by the, uh, by the nature of Discord. I think it is something that every church ever should be on. And I will go on record if you want me to saying that. And then number three <laughs> is our YouTube channel. So again, our Nerdy Sermons every Sunday at 10. And uh, I love putting those together. It is my, my my greatest gift and honor that I get to do that and talk about my favorite things every single week. Awesome. And then for our audio listeners, our podcast listeners, the ways to get to those things, what's the easiest avenue? Uh, if you're familiar with Linktree, Linktree Checkpoint Church, Linktree slash Checkpoint Church is going to be the best way to get there. So any of those links down below uh, should be the ways to do it or in the in the show notes or wherever it may be. Uh, or just type in Checkpoint Church. I mean, it's a pretty specific name. I think we're we're one yeah. of the few and hopefully our SEO is good enough to uh, bump us up to the top. So our, our logo <laughs> is purple. Look for purple, type in Checkpoint Church and look for the color purple and you'll probably find us like that's that's the way to way to do it. That's awesome, man. Well, again, thanks so much for hanging out with us and for taking some of your time to, to chat with us about your calling and about what God's doing in and through your ministry. And for anybody who wants to learn more about it, all those links will be in the description of this episode um, and on all of our social media platforms as this episode goes out as well. Be sure to come back and hang out with us again for our next episode. We got a lot of great guests for you this month, um, this year, and this season just chock full of great people. And we want you to come back and see what God has in store for your digital ministry. If you are starting one, or if you are well on your way into digital ministry as a platform, Hey, we love you guys. We thank you. And if no one else tells you this, just remember it's true. Jesus loves you nerds. listening to the NCMU podcast with hosts Mark Lutz of Lux Digital Church and Bubba Stallcup of Love Thy Nerd. NCMU is a member of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network and available on all major podcasting platforms. The NCMU podcast is part of a greater movement called the Nerd Culture Ministry Collective. You can get more information about this show, our guests, and how you can join our Nerd Culture Ministry Collective Discord server by visiting ncmcollective.com.